What's going on? Welcome into Practical Wellness Radio. I am Ted and my co-host, Coach Cody, will be rolling in in just a moment where today on the pod, we sit down with Tawny Doster. Tawny is a, a pretty cool, pretty cool gal. She's got a lot of cool things going on. She is a yoga instructor. She is an athlete. She is a mother of three little girls, and she leads these super cool fitness retreats that are very intriguing. And uh, so she is probably one of the more well-rounded world travelers that I've I've come across. And uh, we talk a lot about these retreats and how she balances it all and does it all. So I hope you guys enjoy the, the episode today, and, and let's get it. Tony will be joining Cody and I in just a moment, but before we get to that, we just want to give a shout out to anybody who has been following along or taking part in this character mile that we at Practical Wellness have kind of joined in on the Sisu way. They've been doing this for two years now. Every December, uh, you participate in a mile challenge every single day for the month of December. There's so much going on this time of year, you know, so many different obstacles, hurdles, um, even some, you know, mental health kind of challenges that come and go with this time of the year. And so we did this last year. We're doing it again this year. This episode, like I said, comes out uh, December 20th, 2021. So we only have about a third of the month left. We're two-thirds of the way through. And we just want to say, you know, congrats to you guys who have participated in this. If it's uh, if it's something that you missed out on and you wanted to still participate in, let's do it. You know, we're, we've, got, we've got some days left in December. And, you know, again, this is not about... You know, what you used to be able to do, what you can't do, comparing yourself to others. It's not about insecurities, rules, or or even any negativity we place on ourselves. You know, this is about what you can do. We've had people, you know, run a mile every day. We've had people walk a mile every day. We've had some mix it up. They bike, they row. We've had ski erg. And, you know, health is wealth and movement is a gift. We have the opportunity to appreciate and choose gratitude in every step that we take during this mile. So no judgment. Let's continue to move forward and hope everyone has a safe, happy, healthy rest of 2021, and we'll catch you in 2022. All right, and now we'd like to welcome in Tawny. Tawny uh, wears many, many different hats. Uh, she's engineering project manager. She uh, teaches yoga and uh, a lot of other things from from what I understand too, but Tawny, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, You're welcome. So uh, <clears throat> Cody and I were, you know, we always just do the back and forth like oh who do we want to have on the podcast and you, your name has actually been on the list for a while so I'm glad that we can kind of get you on and, and kind of catch up a little bit um I do I always do my intel before every episode and my intel is <laughs> exists of um awkward like for lack of a better term stalking on Instagram so I was catching <laughs> up a little bit on it's like easiest way to do it yeah like kind of what you've been up to and mm-hmm. um I think where I want to start what's the most interesting thing for me is like you've been everywhere and it's really, really cool to see like um, Tulum, Costa Rica. You, you recently, I think somewhat recently did the Kilimanjaro hike. Yeah. And uh, yeah. just kind of like, let's get, let's get the rundown on some of the most kind of exotic and cool places you've been. Uh, yeah. Let's start there. Okay. Yeah, I've traveled a lot. Um, definitely that Kilimanjaro climb was awesome. Completely outside my comfort zone. I'm not really a camper. I don't like to be cold. 
Um, so to be seven days on a mountain in a tent was very different for me. Um, but yeah, to get up to 19,000 feet was pretty intense. Um, and Africa is amazing. I love Africa. I've had an opportunity to travel there previously, um, but to Egypt, which when I was in Tanzania, they actually told me they don't consider part of Africa. So I didn't feel bad when I kept forgetting that myself. <laughs> um, but no, I've done some retreats and unfortunately my last retreat I've had to reschedule twice and right now it's not rebooked because it's for New Zealand. Um, in February of 2020, I took a group to Bali, and it was awesome. We had an amazing time. It was my second time in Bali, and then I went straight to New Zealand after to recon from the next retreat, and I spent 10 days in New Zealand by myself traveling. It was incredible. It was absolutely wonderful, and planned that whole trip, and then I've had to cancel people and um, reschedule just because they haven't even opened up yet. Oh, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. I think that's exactly kind of, I mean, I maybe buried the lead again in this episode. Can you tell people about the kind of the retreats that you offer and you do and how that came to be and just kind of give us the whole shtick on that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I started doing retreats as yoga retreats. Um, I was doing them with Maureen from Hot House Yoga in Iowa City. And we did a Tulum retreat a couple times, three times, um, three years in a row. And on those retreats, I found myself after I would teach my morning class, I would go work out at Jungle Gym, which is this really cool gym in Tulum where it's made out of all natural materials. And I got to know um, Ollie and Katie who own that gym. And so I would work out and then I ended up bringing people from the yoga retreat who wanted to work out with me. And it almost got a little weird because we were like working out on the side. <laughs> um, so from that experience, I decided I wanted to just do something different um, that included yoga and fitness and go places. So I did my first uh, yoga CrossFit retreat in Costa Rica. And then since then, um, we've been able to travel. I've been back to Costa Rica for a second retreat there. We've, I've been to Iceland, which was awesome to work at CrossFit Wonderlust. Um, I took a group to uh, Bali, like I mentioned, and then this New Zealand one was going to be the next one. So, yeah, retreats have, have been really seven awesome. Seven so far, then, per my count, seven retreats? I think so. That sounds right. I did one in El Salvador, which was crazy. That one was actually a surf yoga retreat, and I did it with my friend Stacy, who lives in Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. And she's a surfer, and obviously I'm not because I live in Iowa. So, <laughs> it was super fun. It was really, it was a blast. How long does the retreats last? Are they three days, five days? You said you were in New Zealand for 10. 10 yeah. I know there's a recon more than anything. Right. It depends. If they're closer, like Costa Rica, Mexico, El Salvador, those I think were four nights mm -hmm. um, just to kind of keep the cost down and make it more accessible for people. But when mm -hmm. we're going farther, like for Iceland, um, my last Costa Rica trip, and then for New Zealand, I I'll usually set it up where it's like a full week with the group. And then I add on an extension. So anybody who wants to stay, since you've traveled so far, you can stay. And we do an additional like three nights or four nights and we just do more stuff. But sometimes people get to where they're going and then they want to do their own thing. So it gives some option. Mm -hmm. But the extension in Iceland was awesome. We drove all the way out to the big glacier, which I can't remember the name of now. And we did hiking on the glacier. We kayaked the glacier lagoon where they see those huge icebergs. And the seals pop up out of the water. It was right. awesome. Oh, yeah, I bet it was. It was. Cool. Mm -hmm. What's like, what's the pro, like, what does it look like? Say someone wants to jump in or sign up. What's the process look like? What do you, you know, what, what do you expect, I guess, when you 
um, do these retreats or going to do a retreat? Maybe is it different yeah. every time or is there kind of like this set vibe? What does that look like? Yeah, it's a little different every time. I think the hardest part for me right now is normally I start marketing a retreat a year in yeah. advance, like a year to nine months. And it yeah. really does take me that long to get everything lined up, all the people, because I don't usually do all the final details till I know who's coming because I want to mm. know what they want to do. Sure. Um, so right now it's so hard to know what's going to happen in a year. Right, so yeah, that's, it has been so that's challenging the, the last couple of years. Yeah, so I, I haven't re, rescheduled one because of that. Um, but like the sign-up process, it's really so individual. I've mm. had people who tell me they want to come on a retreat year and year and year after, and then finally they decide to pull the trigger, mm. and they want to know every detail about everything. I've had people Google me, <laughs> find it, and sign up and I don't even know who they are and I don't I can't even find them on social media and it's just a total you know you just meet them when you get there so right. it's totally very individual what's That's, the typical size is there like a do you cap it is it like there's a preferred size or is it just kind of open um you know I usually cap it because sometimes it gets a little crazy Bali I had to limit it to 10 and that was mostly just based on the place we were staying um, but when we went to Iceland, I, I thought I was only going to take 10 people and I ended up at one point we had 20. Um, so it can be, um, it can be a bigger group. So I would usually like 10 to 10 to 15 is like the average size. 10 to 15. That's a pretty good yeah. group though, especially for, yeah. you know, and I would imagine like some people kind of go off on their own. Some people like stay within the large group. I'm sure that's pretty diverse. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's like time to explore on your own, I would imagine as well. Yeah, a little bit. I usually schedule pretty heavy, <laughs> but yeah. people can decide not to participate too, you know, sure. and that happens sure, where perfect. someone's like, I'm just going to do my own thing today or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah, there's so much to do and see. It's hard not to want to just keep the schedule booked full. Well, yeah, absolutely. Great. I know for me, like I would want to, I think I would want someone to just like, give me my, the full schedule. I'm too like, mm -hmm. I don't know if anxious is the right word or like uh, I just wouldn't know what to do or how to go about like scheduling mm -hmm. things or maybe even have the confidence to go on my own to do some of those things. So I mm -hmm. think I would be the one to be like, yeah, just like give me the whole itinerary. I'll see you yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's fun to do it with a group too. It really is. It's, it changes the dynamic for sure. And I love, I, I love doing retreats. I love taking people to these places and planning these trips that, you know, they never maybe you thought would were possible. A lot of times I don't even know what's happening. We had our mm. <laughs> our guide that I hired. His name was Arnie in Iceland. I met him for the first time when I got to Iceland for the retreat. And he walked into the hotel. He was a Viking, you guys. It was like he had just gotten <laughs> off of a ship. It was insane. He was super tall, like shaved head, long mohawk shaped size, big beard. I was like, oh my gosh, you're perfect. That I was is, so excited. Yeah, it is perfect. That adds <laughs> just to the story too. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then he like drove us. He's like, you guys want to find some strong man stones? And we're like, yeah. So he drives us into the middle of, I don't, I literally have no idea where we were. I could never go back there. Yeah. We're in this like 12 passenger van on a dirt road going up a mountain. It's like a single lane up this mountain. We finally find ourselves in this amazing like valley with trees and like a stream running through huge boulders he goes off looking for strongman stones and we're just like standing there like <laughs> eyes wide open how are we here it was just we never did find them but nobody cared like it was just so cool <laughs> 
Well, I'm sure when you're in a new setting and a new scenery, like you don't, you're not really that particular and you don't really care. Like, I just want to look around yeah. and see what this place has to offer. That's so when you do this, you said you hire a guide from time to time, you hire a guide every time. Not every time. Not every time. Um, yeah, it depends on where we're going. Like I needed a driver for Iceland mm-hmm. and I t- tossed around the idea of driving myself. And then I just, I mean, reality sets in like what's going to yeah. happen if we, something happens on the side of the road, I'm not the person for that job. So, yeah. <laughs> so like in that situation, I hired a guide. Um, sometimes I, you know, I'll, I'll reach out to different groups. Like if I know we want to do a kayak tour, I'll find out who's the best kayak person or, you know, different it, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. But as far as like, um, so when you're, when you're, you know, at your retreat, do you have like a, you know, like a, a first mate or somebody that's like your helper or somebody to kind of help you? Or is it just you kind of guiding these 10 to 15 people like throughout the entire retreat? I mean, it's really me. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes like Arnie was amazing in Iceland. He was my go-to. We had this huge catastrophe where I had booked these glamping tents. Was the first thing I booked like a year in advance because they look so cool. And I had to find a four by four bus to get us to these glamping tents because I did not realize where they were when I booked them. So I had to redo our entire schedule for these stinking glamping tents. And then they canceled on me two days before we were supposed to go. Two days. Yeah. <laughs> I have 15 people and I don't have a place to stay. And now we're gone a four by four bus in the middle of nowhere. And there's nothing there. Like it was a whole mess. So he found us clear globes like those weird bubbles people sleep in we slept in those that's cool it's summer in iceland so it never got dark (laughs) (laughs) oh i suppose i didn't think of that yeah i was getting ready to say oh that just adds to the story that's kind of cool but no you're trying to sleep and it's light out yeah that would be tough yeah yeah we had masks on but they're really for like the northern lights you know Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But they were it, it was so it was so cool. We ended up there was nowhere to go other than your your bubble. So we ended up just like getting some booze and we went out and sat in like this mossy field and just drank until who knows what time because it was yeah. light out. And it was it was super fun. So yeah, I mean that's the kind of stuff on retreat where I don't I mean I'm doing the best I can, but sometimes stuff just happens and we no, just roll fun. with it. Yeah, that's funny. And you know what? You you brought up something that I was curious about. I wasn't sure if I was going to ask it or not. And now now I kind of have to. So, as a guy who kind of <laughs> enjoys like a you know a, a frosty beverage and a fine glass of whiskey from time to time, like, do you have instances or have you are you ever fearful of like, hey, what if somebody gets like a little too loose or a little too out of control? Or have you had that instance without like calling anybody out? Do you have a story to share? Like, what, maybe that person is you. I don't even know. <laughs> I usually keep it together when I'm hosting. Um, But, oh, no, I have totally had that happen. I once lost a yogi in Mexico for like six hours. This woman completely disappeared. It was crazy. We, she comes in off the plane, goes to her room, and no one can find her. I go to her room. Her door's wide open. Her luggage is there, and she is gone. I was running around. I, like, enlisted two people. Oh, terrifying. I'm like, she's gone now. I didn't know. So I didn't want to alert anyone and like freak them out. So I'm running all over this resort trying to find her. I have two workers with me. We're trying to find her. And finally, I'm just like, she's an adult. <laughs> I am not a babysitter. Yeah. She will find her way. And she yeah. eventually showed up. We still aren't sure where she went. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't ask, don't tell, maybe. If right. It was quite interesting. <laughs> 
That's awesome. So you said you and another, uh, another gal, um, you kind of came up with this idea to do these retreats. Where did this like, but how did it start? How did you, you know, where did, what was the next step? Like, Oh, it'd be fun to do a retreat. Then like, where did it go from there? Mm -hmm. So when I, okay, when I was pregnant with Lola, my youngest, so she's seven, I kind of, I wanted to go do a retreat myself, participate in one because I'd never done it before. Um, so I went to Costa Rica with a friend from Portland. She was hosting. And then Maureen, who owns Hot House, she decided to come along. She kind of tagged along. And as we were leaving there, she was like, Tawny, we can do this. And I was like, well, sure, okay, we can do this. So then we kind of just made it happen. And we, that's what we did for the first three years. Um, and then when I kind of spun off and started doing the fitness yoga combination, um, she stuck with more of the yoga vibe. So she continued to do them through the studio. And then I just kind of started doing them on my own through my own brand. That's very cool. Did you have, um, <clears throat> was it ever like, um, were you ever a little cautious when you switched to kind of molding the fitness and yoga? Were you, I mean, I, I, and maybe I don't necessarily even know. I don't know if you know, or I, I haven't pegged you down. Like, do you lean one way or the other? I think you're pretty passionate about, you know, exercise, fitness. And I know that yoga fits into that, right? And it has its mm -hmm. role in that. But um, do you do you find that more people are into one side or the other when you do these retreats, or how do you balance mm -hmm. that out? Yeah, absolutely. They totally. I mean, I have the yogis, and then I have like the CrossFit people. And the best part of it is that everybody still participates, and so the yogis are kicking everybody's butt in the studio, and then the CrossFitters are kicking their butts at the gym, and it's super fun because we do we work out together everyone's learning from each other. Um, yeah, it's actually a really cool dynamic. And I mean, I definitely was a little cautious at first because to find people who really are passionate about both things is not super common. Um, but bringing any really ultimately, I think anybody who's willing to sign up for that trip is willing to just do whatever, you know, which makes it, which makes that dynamic super neat and fun. So when these uh, retreats finally, you know, get started, I know that there's probably a lot of like lead up for you, a lot of planning, scheduling. You've talked mm -hmm. about that a little bit. Um, what is your experience like specifically during the retreat? Do you, I mean, I know you're managing, you're organizing. I imagine you participate quite a bit still. Mm -hmm. And then uh, what does it look like during? And then when it's done, are you like, oh my goodness, like, do you, are you ready for that vacation then probably too? Like, what, <laughs> what is, what does that look like for you? Yeah, it is intense. I mean, it really is because there's just so many, so many moving parts and it's constantly changing just, you know, whatever happens during the day or the next day. Um, I will say there's a little bit of relief each day. Like, oh my gosh, we did it. Like that actually happened. I've been planning this for a year. That day is done. Um, but it is, it's, it's like very energizing, like just to be in that situation, to be with people, be be with everyone, and kind of do all of those activities that you've been looking forward to for so long. Um, afterwards, it is it is that kind of relief rushes over. Um, in the last trip where I went straight to New Zealand from Bali, was a, was hard. Actually, I felt I was sad to leave everyone because I had this amazing, very intimate group in Bali for so long. And then to just be like, peace out, I'm going to New Zealand. <laughs> it's like, does anybody want to come with me? No. <laughs> I can't imagine yeah. how high that connection is that you have after like, 
doing all these things with all these people for, you know, five, three to five days straight, like you have to mm-hmm. have like these lifelong relationships afterwards, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really some intense friendships for sure. And then I, I had a number of people that have done more than one retreat with me, which is super fun because you just kind of build on that relationship mm-hmm. every time. Um, I've met, so one of my good friends, Natasha, she lives in Orlando. She signed up for Bali, had never met her, didn't know anything about her. Um, and since then, her we've traveled together um, a couple times since Bali, just because not a lot of people want to travel during the pandemic, <laughs> but right. we do. Um, so we've been able to travel, and it's been awesome. She's been an incredible friend to meet that way, um, and kind of a travel buddy that I would never have had otherwise. Yeah, you never made that connection, that relationship. That's pretty mm-hmm. powerful, right? Just mm-hmm. an idea you had now has manifested into, you know, outside of just traveling the world, but this really powerful connection in this particular case. Yeah. Now, just for my mind wondering, would you ever do a retreat to Mount Kilimanjaro? Well, it was in the back of my mind when (laughs) I was climbing and I was taking lots of contacts, like every driver who would drive us somewhere. I was like, could I get your, um, your WhatsApp contact? And they're like, why? (laughs) I don't know. Just in case. Just in case. (laughs) So I will say, while I was hiking, I thought to myself, every day I would do this again. It was beautiful. It really wasn't so hard that I was like, oh my gosh, I can't go on. But summit day was different. Summit day was intense. It was very mentally, physically challenging. Um, And it was a lot. I mean, I would it's probably one of those experiences you need to, like, a couple months <laughs> to yeah. step it back from and be like, yeah. I really want to do that again. Yeah. I can just send them up. I could stay at base camp. <laughs> I just won't do that day. Done it. I'll tell you what to expect. Uh, but no, I think that I think Kilimanjaro would be an amazing green treat. Um, probably one of the biggest limitations there is cost because the while well, the climb really isn't that expensive and getting to Tanzania is not difficult. The staying there is wonderful. I think that would be fine. But kind of the reward that I really looked forward to and enjoyed after was safari. And we just did two days of safari and it was expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that there's like, that's one thing I always look at when I'm trying to plan a retreat is, is the cost feasible? Because I can tell someone all day long how amazing this trip is going to be and how it's life changing and this is going to be unique and one of a kind. But if you look at it on a computer screen or on your phone, or it doesn't, if the cost is too much, it's too much. Yeah. It's just the yeah. bottom line. Um, so, I mean, that would probably, it's something I'd have to look at really closely. But yeah, but yeah I mean, it's possible. If, why? You want to go to Kilimanjaro? Uh, no, <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> so here's the deal. It depends how you sell it, I guess. Because you're going to have to probably, yeah. it's a little different marketing strategy probably than maybe a normal retreat, I would guess. Mm-hmm. You know? But let's talk about it more. I want to know more. So how long, like from, you know, you, you know, take your first step to when you're at the summit, how long, how many days is that? So there's different routes you can choose. Um, we were on the Lamoshu route and our climb was seven days. So, okay. and turns out the true Lamoshu route was nine, but whatever we booked, which we didn't even realize this when we booked it, we just thought Lamoshu was seven. Um, mm-hmm. But we booked just a slightly shorter version. Um, but you can get up there faster, but the success rate is less. Oh, so, interesting. what's on that? The Lamoche, so, like on the Lamoshu route, 
you climb to altitude, like you'll climb up to 15,000 feet, have lunch, you go back down. So you're kind of doing this like up and down. You aren't just going up, 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 up. Mm -hmm. um, and it's all for acclimation. So that, because right. really altitude is the, the, the one thing that kind of gets people, right? Mm -hmm. You just don't know how your body's going to handle it. So the entire seven days, well, five days, you're acclimating to altitude. And um, I didn't have any altitude symptoms, which I was very, I had no idea. I've never been to 19,000 feet. Sure. Um, I've been to 14,000 feet <laughs> and I was okay. Um, but yeah, you get up that high and it's just kind of nerve wracking because you have no idea what yeah, your body's going to do. You won't know until you're there, right? In this mm -hmm. context. Yeah. What if you don't, like, what if someone doesn't make it? They have to tap out, like, they maybe get too sick or mm -hmm. maybe just mentally they're just like done. Do they stay at one of the base camps or do they get walked back down to wherever you start from? They get walked back down. So yeah. coming down, so we went up to summit in five days, we came down in two. Oh, wow. So much well, it was like five and a half and then like one and a half. They just like march you off that mountain so fast. Yeah. Um, Cause they're not worried about altitude anymore. So that you're just like, which it's actually really hard going downhill that fast. Mm. Oh, I'm <laughs> um, sure. But yeah, they take, we saw people getting taken down on oxygen. So they, every guide has oxygen in their pack. Their packs are so heavy, um, but every guide has oxygen in their pack. And so at any time someone could get oxygen. No one in my group needed oxygen until summit day. And then mm -hmm. I, about half of the people ended up getting some. Mm -hmm. um, but there were me and two other people in our group who didn't really have any symptoms um, for altitude symptoms, which was like so awesome. But then you just yeah. wonder like, well, if I would have stayed at summit longer, would I have had some or you just don't, you don't know. Yeah. You never will. Mm -hmm. Um, what's, what's the, you said the last day was the hardest. Mm -hmm. So when you summited, what did that feel like? What did that look like? What was that journey? You know, when did you start in the morning? When did you finally make the summit? Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. We, so we hiked into base camp and base camp was 15,000 feet. So like just mentally for me, that was kind of intense because every no mountain in Colorado is 15,000 feet. Mm -hmm. Okay. You cannot get that high and we're right. sleeping there <laughs> eating dinner. So we get to 15,000 feet. That's our base camp. They fed us at like four o'clock, I think. And then they put us to bed. So we were supposed to go to sleep. Well, it's not dark out and it's not quiet and no one's sleeping. It's cold. And then at 10.30, they came around and woke us up and had us put on all of our summit gear. We went and ate dinner. So we ate dinner at like 11, mm -hmm. and they wanted us hiking by midnight. So our group was a little slower getting their stuff together. Part of that was actually me because I forgot my sun hat, and I was freaking out. I couldn't find my sun hat. So imagine it's pitch dark like we there's no light all you can see is with your headlamp it's mm -hmm. very very cold so i have on like five coats two pairs of gloves my stocking hat three pairs of pants like every layer i could possibly wear i have on and we're trying to start at midnight and we're trudging up this mountain and you can only see with your headlamp and the sun doesn't come up till six so we had in it was three miles to get from where we were at base camp to summit, but we had to go up 4,000 feet. So it's very steep. And to the point where you're like walking and you look 
over with your headlamp and it's straight down and you have no idea because it's so dark oh. so you just look that, forward again <laughs> don't look like, over i'd be so nervous don't look yeah. over. <laughs> no one will find you if you go down there Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very intense. And it was for me, the cold was hard because I just it was just cold. My hands were really cold. My feet were really cold. My black my valve froze for my mm-hmm. water. So I wasn't able to drink water at one point until unless I got it out of my bottle, which was super awkward. And you're supposed to be drinking because you're at altitude. Mm-hmm. So it's just and we would stop to get like a sip of water or they had hot tea for us, which was nice and to pee. But you have, they wouldn't let you stop for very long. So it might, it's less than five minutes and you have like two pairs of gloves on and it's just, just very intense. Um, so yeah, we finally, I think the the goal is to be at like the top by sunrise, but we were about an hour or maybe an hour and a half short of that. So we saw the sunrise on the hike up. Once the sun comes up, it does warm up a little bit. Um, but yeah, then we finally made it up to the top and, make it to the summit and it's like a huge relief until you realize you have to go back down <laughs> um, so yeah so then we end up we went back down but they didn't have us like hike down it was almost like we were skiing down in this like loose gravel so you kind of like go sideways and let your feet just like kind of almost fall out from under you until they actually do and you fall down which kept happening to me um till we got back to base camp so then by the time we got back to base camp, it was maybe like one o'clock in the afternoon, two. We got back to base camp. We had to pack up all of our stuff from our tent. They fed us again, and then they sent us to the next camp. So then we had to hike an additional five miles to the next camp. So by the time we got there, it was dinner time. So we had been up for almost two days, basically. Um, yeah, it was super intense. That day was hard. It was just super hard. Every other day was fine. <laughs> yeah, that does sound like a day. That sounds like a challenge. Yeah, it was a lot. I mean, yeah, and I think you had a, you brought up a valid point. Like you always hear about, like, oh, people doing all these things, and but like, man, I I think the cold would would for me be just the biggest issue too. Like your toes get cold or your hands get cold, and you're climbing, and you 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 really get to the point where like, what can you do about it? You know, like yeah. you're just cold. You know, like right. Um, did you mention, maybe I missed this, how many people were part of your team? Did you have, a, you know, you said it was guide-led or you had a team. At, how many people were in your base camp and yep. what did that look like? Yeah, so we were with Alteza um, and that group, that for that Lomoshi route, we there were 36 people, I think, total in the group. Mm-hmm. Um, and wow. they had split us off into smaller groups, so our group was 10. Um, so cool. we hiked with a group of 10, but there were three of three groups. And, um, but what was really crazy is there's porters, porters and guides for, for all of the groups and the ratio is about four to one. So for Mm. every single hiker, there's four porters or guides for that person. So it's like a community, like a town moving up the mountain and they, they made us, they fed us with, they gave it like real plates and real silverware and glass cups and they're carrying all of this and they had all of the water they made all of our food they carried all of the tents so they would wait we would start out every day then once we started they would tear down all of the camp put it like on their backs and on their heads and beat us to the next camp set it all up have our duffels in our tents so that when we got there we had 
water to wash our hands and water to fill our our bottles and hot tea and dinner and they would even halfway up the mount every time halfway up the climb they would ha have ginger tea and cookies set out on a table with a tablecloth that's crazy i know it was very crazy these guys were amazing it was that like is, it was it was awesome that is amazing those guys i mean think about their like the stories they probably have you know and how many times have they summited you know that mountain it's pretty uh -huh. remarkable yeah very remarkable i think um i think what's cool too is uh you know, you said you did this. Was it you and your husband? My boyfriend. Boyfriend, I'm sorry, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, when you guys did this together, um, what was that like? Did you have like any come to Jesus moments where you're like, oh, I got to keep up with him or he's got to keep up with me? <laughs> like how did, how did you guys, <laughs> sometimes I, feel, I think like doing these like feats, which they are, you know, it, mm -hmm. sometimes you kind of like to do it by yourself because you know like okay nobody's judging me whatever whatever and yeah. then you're with maybe a significant other and you, you maybe have like a little I don't want to say like fear for them or fear you know but like you're kind of thinking about you know how they're approaching it too like what did that mm -hmm. look like with the relationship between you guys competitive so or? our relationship yeah our relationship is still pretty new we've only known each other like less than a year cool so when we decided to do this this was his trip his idea something he wanted to do and I kind of tagged along yeah. So I almost think it was probably the reverse where he was worried about me because <laughs> he is, he is outdoorsy. He likes to camp. He's okay with the cold. Um, he has all the equipment. I didn't even have a pair of hiking boots. I had never used a hydration system in a backpack. Like I had no idea what I was doing. I had to like practice all of these things and go buy all this stuff. So for me, it was all very, very new. Um, and I was just honestly just trying to, keep up, keep up yeah. you know and figure out how why i'm gonna wash with a wet wipe every day in my whole entire <laughs> body because i can't take a shower you know like just yeah. <laughs> you know managing things in a tent and that was all very new for me um but for him it was just very easy so i think physically we were both same like we mm -hmm. were able to be at the front of the pack and kind of just keep going and um so that was great um, even summit day, I, other than me getting really, really cold and like crying about it, <laughs> which happened more than once, um, he, he was great. He was totally fine. Um, super supportive and it was an awesome experience. I had, cool. I had, I definitely, I would not have done it without him for sure. Um, and to have him there to do it with, I think was just great. That's wonderful. funny. That's funny. You say that your, you know, relationship is somewhat new. I, I imagine like climbing Kilimanjaro with a significant other. That's like, that's like four years that you just put in. Yeah. That's like a, you know, that's a like, true test. True test. Yeah. You know, they say like, take the car test, take a, you know, road trip together to see how well you gel. This is like next level yeah. for that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Fly for 19 hours on a plane and then <laughs> yeah, climb a mountain. Rock solid bond. Outside yeah. of that, maybe bond getting strengthened. What's like the return? What's, you know, all this preparation, all this work to climb the mountain, you had some struggles. What's the return like in that investment for you as, you know, an individual? Yeah, I mean, well, for me, it really was kind of just an incredible experience, but also something that makes me think like, gosh, if I can do that, what is next? What else can I do? What can we mm -hmm. do? Um, 
And I, it's like that. I feel like anytime I travel internationally or go doing something new, you kind of have that feeling of like, gosh, that if that's possible, then what else? Um, but this is a little bit next level. Like I never imagined I would be hiking on a mountain at all, let alone like this kind of experience. So yeah. um, definitely been some talk about next trips, um, ne- next opportunities for like a climb like that. Um, Reese really wants to do Mount Rainier, which is like you have to do training like to oh, be yeah. able to ice I, climb. I was just like there. That. I didn't climb it, but uh-huh. we watched people come up and down it um, over the summer um, when we visited. And that looks like a pretty cool climb. Um, and it's like a yeah, full gear thing too, it looks like too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see that's like for me, that's like, oh my gosh. Which when it's really outside my comfort zone, it kind of makes me want to do it a little bit more because I'm like, well, maybe I could figure it out. Um, but one thing that I am go- trying to plan with my daughter actually, which is also outside my comfort zone, I had told my girls when I got back from New Zealand, this was like on my crazy hiking alone situation when I was by myself, um, that when they turned 12, I would take them anywhere they wanted to go in the world, but they had to plan it and decide what they want to do and do the research and that we would go together. We'd figure it out and we'd make it happen. So that was two years ago and my oldest daughter turns 12 in February. So she has decided she wants to go rock climbing in Patagonia, which sounds amazing. But neither of us have ever been rock climbing. So we have quite a bit of work to do (laughs) and research because I don't know anything about it. Um, But I've already started, found um, a guide and I found a spot in Argentina. And I was actually, I actually talked to him last week um, to kind of try to set something up. So we have about a year to plan for it and learn what we need to learn. And so I'm trying to figure out what lessons we can take and what groups I can get her in and plan something for next summer. Um, but yeah, I think it's kind of along that same line is when you kind of have an, an experience like Kilimanjaro or even just traveling somewhere you've never thought you'd go. It's like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, you want to go to rock climbing in Patagonia? Yes. Sure. Yeah, let's, let's figure it, it out. Sure. We can make it happen. So yeah. that's the, something I'm trying to plan with her. Yeah. That's so cool. And I like how you're kind of putting the, the onus on her of like, Hey, like I want you to choose. I want you to plan it. Um, where does that like, where is she inspired like to do that? Is there any particular source of like, that was, you know, the reason why she chose this particular place? Most 12 year olds well, don't even know what Patagonia, where Patagonia is. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of like my I point. I gave her a little nudge in a certain yeah. direction. Um, at one point she wanted to go somewhere in Peru. She found this Amazon hut in the middle of the jungle where they have the most snakes in the world. And she wanted to do that. And I was like, oh honey, we can do that. <laughs> what else could we do? That's oh, me, so. dog. Yeah, I'm not there. So we, so yeah, there was there's some back and forth. It wasn't a slam dunk. She didn't land on that right away, but she she has done some like of the auto belay stuff and um, at the rock gyms, and she likes to climb and she likes to be outdoors. She she well, she has been running with you, Cody. Um, yeah, she and she's fast. Like I had to work hard. I told her I was like, I'll run with you. You know, just make sure you're kind to me, and you know, <laughs> don't run so fast where <laughs> like have to regret it like it's like i want to i want you to come back like i don't want to say hey you're too fast for us yeah <laughs> i had to work hard she pushed me but i think she was i think she was a little too nice i think uh she uh very kind soul and she uh, made sure i was able to keep up yeah that's that's nice of her <laughs> no she is she's super um athletic she likes 
she likes to go for hikes. She likes to run. She likes to do things um, like physical activity. So she wanted to hike. She wanted to do some of that. Um, and she wanted to do some climbing. So we, we together, I kind of helped her. We kind of looked at, we did some searches like where's the best rock climbing in the world and, you know, where you know, diff, beginner level kind of stuff. And we were able to find mm-hmm. a place. But northern Patagonia, because southern Patagonia is very, very intense. Um, we're not going there <laughs> to rock climb. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's, that's really cool. I think, you know, I think there's a lot of cool takeaways from that, you know, in general, like to, you know, like Cody said, like you're putting the onus on, on your 12 year old and, you know, letting them kind of decide. And I think it's really cool too. You know, obviously, you know, fitness is your life. Cody and I are, you know, pretty deep into it. And I think, you know, so many parents, and I don't think this is a fault, you know, they're just like, Hey, go play basketball. Hey, go play volleyball or whatever it is. Like, I think to like, given, you know, another external goal that, you know, allows us to kind of use our fitness. And I just think that's a really, really cool, really cool idea. And how many, how many kids do you have, Tani? Three, three. Three. And so this will be your oldest is the first 12 year old trip. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Are you already planting the seed for like the next ones, like where, where you want to go so that they kind of like (laughs) that way? I don't know. My middle's a wild card. I mean, I could end up literally anywhere. So I don't know. We haven't really started talking about it a lot yet, but they're funny. I mean, they, they do, they do talk about it, but it's like my seven-year-old will be like, I just want to go to Disney world. And I'm like, okay, well maybe by the time you're 12, you change your mind, but we'll see. (laughs) You know, I think it's cool too. And I know that this probably wasn't your intention, but even from like, let's say if I were to, you know, have that same proposal for my kids, I'd be like, yeah, that, that's good for me too. Right. Like, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. really, it's going to force me to get outside my comfort zone. It's going to force me to do some cool things and Mm -hmm. probably wasn't your first goal, but I'm sure that you kind of had that maybe in the back of your mind too, as you said earlier. Um, Well, and I, I really like that we get to do it together, you know, like whatever it is they want to do, we're going to do it together. And if we have to learn some skills or we have to take some classes, then it just gives us that opportunity to, you know, have that time. For sure. And what a forced bonding, you know, like, you know, like it's, I think it's going to be, you know, my kids are young. It's probably going to be more and more of a challenge for like, as the generations go on to like become really, really tight with your siblings and your, and, uh, and your kids and everything, right. It's just, it's human nature to kind of gravitate towards your screen in your hand or whatever it might be. And this is just another thing to like get kids, get people to be excited and go outside and, you know, whether that's the retreats that you're planning um, and organizing or whether that's just what you're doing with your mm-hmm. kids. So kudos to you on that. Yeah, thanks. So let's uh, let's kind of touch on a little bit of, of what else you do. Um, when I first met you, Tani, I, uh, I had never done a second of yoga in my life, and it probably showed. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember uh, we did the first ever yoga I ever did was hot yoga, and, and I don't even... T- I mean, it was 120 degrees in there. I don't necessarily know how hot it was, but uh, and <laughs> Close, I'm in I'm there sure. and five minutes go by, 10 minutes go by. I'm like, this is awful. Why am I doing this? Like, I, like <laughs> and if it wasn't for being in a group, it's like, maybe it was like you, you know, hiking killer Manjaro. If like, I wouldn't be in this group. It would have been just me. I would have left like five minutes ago. This is terrible. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> but you know, I'm like, all right, it's supposed to be good for me. Let's stick it out. And it was freaking awesome. And, and, I thought you did a great job and you know, that was many, many years ago already. Um, and it's cool to see that you still have that same passion for it. I mean, it's even, it's easy to see even from afar, you know, through social media, through, you know, conversations and, um, where, um, where did that yoga journey kind of start for you? 
Oh gosh. Well, I, first time I did yoga was in college and I had to go to the YMCA because they didn't have it for me um, where I was going to school. Um, but I continue to kind of just dabble in yoga a little bit, but I've always kind of just been a bit of a gym rat, like always in the weight room, always working out. Um, but I, when I moved to Portland after college, I kind of got more into yoga, um, doing kind of a hot power type yoga class. And kind of things kind of shifted, you know, like things do in life. Like I kind of got away from the gym and more in the studio. Um, I think just that style of yoga kind of resonated with me because it was a little bit more strength-based. And so that's where I did my teacher training at Core Power in Portland and kind of just kind of spun it off from there. And since then, I think the style that I teach has changed a lot too, just based on what I've learned, um, adding in some mobility elements to class. And, you know, there was a time in my life where yoga was my workout. So that was important to me, but it's not that way anymore. So mm. I, th I think as I approach my teaching too, I'm not necessarily trying to give everybody in the room, you know, a workout while they're in your, their yoga class, um, but kind of taking that more of a little bit more dynamic in kind of what is expected um, as an outcome from the class. Absolutely. And I was kind of curious. And honestly, as Ted was talking about his first experience with you and his first experience in yoga with you, like that was his first time ever doing yoga. I had a lightning bolt hit me and I was like, I think Tani was my first yoga instructor as well. <laughs> like I, awesome. I've forgotten about that. So there you go. We're two of your, oh, you great. know, former students yeah. here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I've seen you over how long we've we known each other, seven years, six years, right? Yeah, For probably. a while. And Mm -hmm. You know, I can see the your practice evolve, which I think is so powerful because it shows that you're continuing to, continually trying to improve, uh, not just for yourself, but for uh, your students mm -hmm. and those that you're working with. And I really appreciate the aspect of like, hey, like, especially for Ted and I, where we like to lift weights, you know, we like to do all these other things like this isn't necessarily our workout we're using this as like another aspect of our fitness mm -hmm. and, you know, trying to improve ourselves holistically, not just to mm -hmm. like, you know, we tend, I sweat a lot already, you know, we don't need necessarily right. another thing that makes us sweat, even though that is useful for other people. So you know, shout out to you. Kudos to you. Well, <laughs> you're right. You're sweating right now. I'm sure <laughs> sitting here. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Where do you see yeah, like your practice evolving, you know, in the future? Like say over the next year, two years, ten years, or twenty years. Oh gosh, that's I know like it's, the worst it's a question ever. Cody. I'm sorry. You can okay. hate me. Hate me. <laughs> no, I I have continued to add mobility elements into my classes. Um, I I got really interested in functional range conditioning, and that's been mm -hmm. a few years ago now. And I did some. I don't do a lot of trainings, honestly. I don't. I'm not always big into like oh, do the weekend here, like yeah. do the certification. I really only do that stuff if it calls to me, if I feel like it's something that I'm going to learn from or I'm going to implement into my classes or something I want to add in. Um, and functional range conditioning for me was that. It, which Can you define that a little bit more, time. like what that is? Yeah. Um, so it's a mobility technique. There's lots of different mobility kind of names out in the world. Um, but this one specifically is a mobility technique where they look at range of motion of your individual joints. So it's like, take your shoulder for example. So you're looking at what is your range of motion of your shoulder and then how can we 
build more strength within that range while continually trying to create more range. So it's applicable for absolutely anything, whether you're trying to get a heavy snatch or you're trying to pick up a laundry basket or you're gonna you accidentally fall off the curb while you're running like you really want to have as much range of motion as possible um, and own that range so in yoga for example it's often that we're just looking in in yoga not everybody but just generally speaking is looking for um just these very large like passive range um holds right so how beautiful yeah. can this pose be or how big can it be if i grab my foot i'm going to lift it really really high but i'm more interested in what happens when you let go of your foot sure because nobody really cares in the world it doesn't matter if you can lift your foot very high but if yeah. you can lift it and let it go and hold it there then you own that entire range of motion mm -hmm. now it matters so kind of just give me gave me a different lens um, to kind of look at movement in general, whether it's in the gym or it's in the studio. Um, and then kind of just take a second look at like, what am I even teaching? And does this make sense? And how is the body moving? And how can we do this more intuitively and kind of just take a different, different view of even every yoga pose? You know, when you are in warrior two and the teacher says, move your knee towards your pinky toe, your front knee. Well, mm. you're not moving your knee you're externally rotating your hip. So you really shouldn't, the cue should be trying to activate your glute and your hip to externally rotate your hip so now your knee moves towards your pinky toe. Because if you can't, you can just kind of shove your knee over there, but it's not doing anything. Um, right, right, so, you're using yes. like this external force or gravity to get into range of motion, but you're not actually utilizing that range of motion in some mm -hmm. way. Yeah. The stability around it, which- right. right. You know, you, you, it's fine to me, you know, have passive range of motion, but mm -hmm. there's that other piece of the puzzle that is a lot of times missing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and I just like, it breaks things down joint to joint too. So it's not about just, can you do a squat? Yes, you can do a squat. Well, what's happening with your ankle? What's happening with your knee? What's happening with your hip? What's happening with your spine? Mm -hmm. So kind of really looking at things individually and then trying to isolate those joints to find dysfunction because we're mm -hmm. gonna compensate. Right. Like sure. I, my shoulder's been kind of bothering me and then my elbow started to hurt and then I couldn't hold a coffee cup. I'm like, what is going on? Well, it's not, you know, it's, it's not my elbow that's the problem, right? It's probably my scap actually, but I'm compensating with my shoulder. My shoulder's not rotating. So now my elbow's trying to do something funny because my shoulder isn't moving. So I even, I, you know, I use this stuff to <laughs> diagnose myself. <laughs> that's where it starts though right that's where you start to get the yeah. uh, learning is like what's wrong with me how do right, I right. solve this great <laughs> I learned how and yeah. I can help other people and I'll tell you like not being able to hold a coffee cup that's a pretty big motivator to uh, solve <laughs> yeah. a problem I know I'm like sitting there with my kids I'm like holding my cup and it falls to the counter I'm like well that's not right <laughs> spend some time here to figure this right. one out <laughs> yeah. absolutely what's um go ahead Ted no, I was just was going to no. say, I think that's really intriguing. I, Cody and I, you know, we've, in our conversations, we've talked about that a lot too, you know, and, you know, we might have an individual who's, you know, hyper flexible or, or the other end of the spectrum, like really lacks flexibility. And I think that they both in their own respects are probably equally prone to injury and in, as much as anything. And so I think like 
like you're saying, like getting the mobility and the strength in those positions is probably as vital as anything. I have a question for you though. When, um, it sounded like you kind of have always had a passion for, you know, maybe strength training and yoga. When did they, um, when did they kind of merge though? Like, I mean, you said in college, you kind of got into yoga a little bit. Were you strength training prior to that? And how did you, I guess this is just a long way of asking a question. Like, you know, what advice would you have to somebody that's out there that's maybe in one of those two realms, one of those two disciplines and like maybe should and probably could transfer, like, let's say, uh, let's say we maybe have a yogi who is, is that exact person that you're talking, can do all those beautiful poses and is very, um, you know, very skilled in yoga, but maybe don't have, doesn't have the strength to own positions. Like mm-hmm. what is that person, you know, can they, can they get the strength needed just by, you know, sticking with this functional yoga that you, you talked about, or do, do we need to implement some like resistance training also? Sure. Yeah. I think definitely to have like a combination of the two is important just for like overall physical, you know, well-being. Um, but it is challenging. I mean, for me, my background, I was always, the, I was always in the weight room lifting with the football team kind of situation in high school. Um, and then I played softball in college and I was always, I would go lift before the team lifted because I thought the way the team lifted wasn't good enough. So like I was always in the weight room. I was very comfortable. I'm very comfortable in that kind of setting. Um, so for me, walking into a yoga studio was more intimidating than the other. But I think for, you know, that's probably the biggest you know, hurdle is just to feel comfortable in that other space because depending on where you're going, it can be very intimidating whether you're walking into a gym or you're walking into a studio. Um, so I think that's difficult for sure for people, but trying to find a place where you can feel comfortable, you know, or whatever it takes, you go with a friend or you just like find somebody um, to at least have a little bit of exposure in both. I mean, it doesn't have to be all in, but to have just anything you can gain is worthwhile you know, for any of movement practice, I think. Yeah. I think I like what you said there. You don't have to necessarily be like completely all in in either one of those, you know, disciplines. Right. But it is a holistic approach. It's just like, even, even for myself, I find that like, I'm, I am i I'm a creature of all or nothing. And I think to a fault at times where, you know, I want to like strength train and and do this and I want to count my macros and make sure I'm eating healthy and do five to 10 minutes of mobility, you know, strength training every day and maybe five minutes of meditation. And it's like, I just can't do it all. And so then sometimes I don't do any of it because I know mm-hmm. that I'm not doing it at all. And so I think that's a good reminder is like <clears throat> a little bit goes a long ways, right? And a little bit adds up after a little bit of time. And, yeah. um, I think, uh, before we wrap up, we're going to wrap up here pretty soon. Um, I know you do some, some, online coaching or maybe remote yoga coaching Mm -hmm. or or let's just touch on that and kind of what you have to offer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have a virtual group, um, LPY, my lean power yoga subscriber group, and it kind of stemmed from the pandemic and when everything kind of hit and everything got shut down. Um, I was really kind of just reaching for opportunities to continue to teach since all the studios were closed. Um, and I knew people I miss my I miss my people, um, so I kind of learned under fire and had a really amazing group that kind of came along with me. So, some first sign up was April first of twenty twenty, um, and I still have a lot of those people who signed up with me still today. So we do a virtual class once a week on Monday nights, 
Um, and then I also add in, it was weekly, but now the library is pretty big because there are so many classes, um, but a mobility class and a strength burst, which is just really like the strength burst is an at-home workout you could do with light dumbbells. Just something. I want to do something. I don't know what to do. Here, do this kind of thing. Um, and so we've been doing that. We're in week 86. So we've been wow. doing it for, yeah, this whole time. Um, I really, well, honestly, when I started it, I thought it might be a couple months or till the gyms opened up or whatever. Um, but the group that I have is so incredible. I mean, I have people who are local, but I have lots of people who are not. Um, I had for a while, and she's not in the group right now, but um, the, a woman from the UK joined in. And I have a lady in Pennsylvania. I have this older woman who's in Arizona who's just a, a delight. Um, so I just have this really diverse group that's come together. Uh, and I just love them so much. I get so excited <laughs> to see them on Monday nights. Um, and then I record the class, and I, I have like a password-protected website that we use. Um, I just drop all the recordings or YouTube so they can just get them whenever they want. Um, and yeah, so we're, and I've been putting them all up there for, and for a little while we were doing two classes a week. So, I mean, there's well over a hundred yoga classes and mobility classes and strength first, and it's all in the library. So for anyone who wants it, even if someone were to sign up today for the group, they would still have access to all of those classes. Um, and then this summer, I actually invited everybody to my backyard. So we were doing yoga in my backyard for anybody who was local. And then I was still doing it on Zoom and recording the classes, which was even better because I got yeah. to see their faces and, um, you know, in person a little bit. So, yeah, it's just it actually has been a really close um, group and just a really fun way to stay connected and um you know, through all of, I mean, think of all the crazy things, right? But yet we kept doing yoga on Monday nights this entire time. So it's, it's pretty, I, I think it's really cool. That, that is really, really cool. And I think, you know, what's interesting is I think the pandemic has challenged a lot of people in obviously a million different ways. But I think, um, you know, one of the many, many, you know, arguments and, you know, downsides to the pandemic is, is, you do, some of us were forced to kind of lose relationships, right? You know, whether that was work relationships or whatever it might be. But then also on top of that, I think that the people that were really good at relationship building and the people that were really good at cultivating culture and, you know, community and all those great things probably even excelled even more because, you know, we're able to obviously be blessed with some of this technology and the Zoom to reach out to people far, far away and, and you know, really almost have a tighter knit you know, relationship with the people that we want to have a relationship with, you know, like-minded mm -hmm. individuals that are into yoga or strength training or whatever, whether it's us with the podcast or you and, you know, your, your uh, entire library that you were talking about for uh, mm -hmm. lean power yoga. So that's awesome. And, and one more time, where could people go to uh, become a member of that, subscribe to that, or find just more information about you in general? Yep. On lean power yoga, um, Instagram or Facebook. And I have links to the subscriber group. Um, also just messaging me there and he's awesome. around. Awesome. And what about, uh, to stay up to date on the next retreat? Is that also the same place? Yeah. Same place. Yeah. I mean, I'm in a sticky spot right now with the no, next I'm retreat, sure. but hopefully things will, you know, get to a point where it feels like the right time. I've even thought about just doing one and saying, Hey, we're leaving in six weeks. Who yeah. wants to come? <laughs> yeah, do I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> 
I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure you'd have a lot of people be like, Hey, let's, I'm ready to go. Let's go. I, you know, yeah, maybe <laughs> sure. even make it like a surprise. Like we don't even know where we're going yet. Pack yeah. Pack <laughs> like one of those weird charter Show bus trips. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's awesome, Tawny. I really appreciate you guys taking the time today and uh, best of luck to you moving forward. Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks guys. It's so good to see you. All right, take care. Thank you. Okay, bye.